Hey, uh, Christmas is a time that is synonymous with joy. You know, there's the joy of seeing presents appear under the tree and then on Christmas morning, you know, watching kids just rip the paper off and, and joy, you know, lights up on, on their face. You know, there's the joy of people in our street lighting up half the street with Christmas lights all over their house. It's a joy for everyone who drives past. It's not always a joy for you if you're the next door neighbor. My grandfather got into putting up Christmas lights before it kind of, you know, became trendy and uh, he covered his house uh, in lights. People would drive from everywhere to come and see it. He was the only one in the street. Some of his neighbours, we still don't know who, weren't so joyous about these lights. One night, not just the lights went off, but the, all the electricity in his house was switched off. Someone had found his meter box and just turned off the power. The first night he thought it was some sort of freak accident. The second night that it happened, he realized someone was doing this on purpose and he wasn't happy about it. The third night, he, he, he had a padlock on that power box the, the size of something you see at Boggo Road Jail and he was standing hiding behind a tree with a bit of 4B2 ready to just clobber anyone who tried to turn off his lights. Peace on earth and goodwill to all men. We light up. Our streets with Christmas joy. You know, there's the joy of singing carols in the shops. I mean, I hate the shops. I particularly hate the shops at this time of year. But I can't help myself when I get in there and there's carols playing. I find myself singing along. I find myself wanting to spend money and buy expensive presents. You know, it works, people. But, uh, you know, carols, you know, just a great way to sing, you know, with joy, our, our praises to God. And then there's the joy of stuffing ourselves silly with Christmas food. I mean, who doesn't love that? You know, some of us, you know, Christmas lunch, it'll be, it'll be prawns and leg ham and salad. Others will be uh, roast turkey and roast pork and all the trimmings. Who's, come on, who's, a, who's a prawns and cold meat and salads kind of family? Right, uh, who's uh, roast pork, roast turkey, all the trimmings, hands up, yeah, about half and half. Whatever it is, we, we love the joy. We're looking forward to it already. The joy of stuffing ourselves silly, you know, with Christmas food. Christmas is a time that's synonymous with joy. It always has been. Very first Christmas, very first Christmas, there was lights that lit up the sky. There were expensive presents that were bought. You know, there was, there was songs sung with, with, with joy and, and, and praise to God. We, I very much doubt they were eating roast pork, leg ham, or even prawns. None of it's kosher. I'm going to have words with God about that when I get to heaven. You know, what was he thinking doing that to those people? But there's a, there's a time of joy. Christmas is a time of joy. It always has been. You know, the, the shepherds minding their own business out in the field. Dark night, no street lights, no lights all over houses, just probably the moon in the sky, some stars. And it says God turned up, the angel of the Lord turned up, angel turns up. And, and the glory of God shone all around them. They were terrified. Never seen anything like it. And the angel announces to those shepherds out in the field, 
Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You know, I can kind of understand why it was joy for the shepherds. You know, they were just sitting back for, a, you know, an ordinary boring night out in the fields and, and the, an angel turns up and, uh, and says to them, you know, there'll be a baby wrapped in cloths in a manger and, uh, you know, he's going he's gonna to bring good news of great joy. The, uh, the shepherds, if you read the rest of the story, the shepherds rush off to the stable and it says that they found everything just as was promised. Now that's a good night. That would fill you with joy. You know, a little bit out of the ordinary. You, you get to see an angel. You get to see the promises of God come true. You can understand why, why uh, the magi, the wise men, were, uh, were filled with joy. You know, they've been following this star in the sky for some time. And then when they, when they get to Bethlehem, they see the star reappear over the house where Jesus is born. And it says in, in Matthew, it says they were overjoyed. They'd found this king they were looking for. And, you know, they've had the joy of, you know, riding camels and wearing cool big funny hats and, and shiny suits. And they walk in with their expensive presents and they kneel down and they worship the king. That's a reason for joy. You can kind of understand why, you know, the birth of Jesus is a reason for joy for those dudes. You know, even for Mary. Mary giving birth, you know, yes, she's in a stable. Yes, there's farm animals anywhere. But this is the birth of her firstborn son. That's a reason for joy. But, but more than that, the people keep turning up and telling her that this son is no ordinary son. She's, she too has seen angels and, and visitors come and says, you know, and bow down and worship him and, and give him gifts. I mean, that's a reason for joy. You, you can kind of see, you know, why the, the, the birth of Jesus was a reason for joy for those people. But why is the birth of Jesus Christ a reason for great joy? Why is it good news of great joy for all the people. Now we see in the birth of Jesus, or let, let me say first thing, first reason why uh, the, the, the birth of Christ or, or Jesus coming to earth is, is good news of great joy is firstly, is that he brings great joy in his presence. Great joy in his presence. We're, we're invited into the presence of God. So you've got to understand the shepherds were outsiders. They weren't allowed to go into the temple and worship God in his presence. They were unclean. They, they spent time out in the fields with smelly animals and they, uh, they, uh, their, their role was to prepare these sheep for, for, uh, sac to be sacrificed in the, uh, in the temple as an atonement for the people's sin. But they actually weren't allowed in the temple themselves. Actually, they weren't allowed in court. They, they were kind of dishonest vagrants. You weren't, they, they, their, their testimony meant nothing in court. They were outsiders. They were, they were not allowed into the presence of God, into the temple, because they were unclean. 
But here we have at at Jesus' birth, these outsiders brought close to God. They come into his presence. You know, the the wise men, they, uh, they too weren't allowed into the temple to worship. They're outsiders. They actually worshipped other gods. Jesus wasn't the first king that they'd knelt down to. They're stargazers, they're astrologers, they're, they're, they're people, they're mystics that have worshipped other gods at other times. And yet they too are invited in. They, they were not allowed into the presence of God. They weren't allowed into the temple to pray. They were outsiders because they were ungodly. And then even Mary, who says, you know, she's righteous, she's a good Jewish girl, she too wasn't allowed into the inner courts to worship God in his presence. She was kept outside in the women's courts. She wasn't allowed to be part of the public prayers that were offered as worship to God in his presence. She was an outsider simply because she was a woman wasn't part of Old Testament law, but religion over time had, had made different rules for women and men. And she was an outsider simply because in that culture she was unworthy. She didn't have as much worth as a man. And so we see in the birth of Jesus that these, these groups of people who were once outsiders because they were unclean, because they were ungodly, because they were unworthy, were not allowed to come into the presence of God. In the birth of Jesus and then through the ministry of Jesus, we see these outsiders coming close to God. But this is the good news and this is why the coming of Christ to earth is good news of great joy for all people because this little baby in a manger grew up And at the end of his life, he died on a cross. And when he was on that cross, what he did was he took all of the unclean things that we've ever done and thought, all of the unworthy actions that that we have have committed and, and the things that we are simply born with in our fallen nature, All of the ungodliness that we have, all of our sin that separates us from a holy God who is perfect, was actually put onto Jesus' shoulders, the only perfect man that had ever lived. On that cross, Jesus, this little baby born in a manger, took all of the sin that once separated us from the presence of God, And he was separated from his father's presence so that we will never have to be again. That's good news of great joy for all people. And so to anybody, anywhere, anytime who puts their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, who believes that Jesus is the Son of God and receives this gift of salvation that, that he won for us on the cross, can come into the presence of God. This is the reason that the birth of Jesus Christ, that the coming of Christ to earth is good news of great joy for all people is because ordinary people like you and me, those of us who were once outsiders because of our sin, those of us who have been ungodly, unworthy, unclean, can come close to God. We can come into the very presence of God. In fact, we come so close that through faith in Christ, our sins are forgiven. 
We are washed clean and we become a vessel of the Holy Spirit. A temple of God's very Spirit Himself comes and lives within us. Jesus Christ is good news of great joy for all people because He brings us into His presence. He brings us into the presence of God. We get to come close. This is pretty close, isn't it? I'm going to spit on a bunch more people this morning. Good news, great joy for all people. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we get to come into his presence. Secondly, oh no, let me just share a verse I've loved. First, first Peter, first Peter verse 8 and 9. You know, it says this, though you have not seen him. You know, we don't get to rush to a stable and see him. We, we don't get to, 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 to walk in with expensive gifts. You know, we, we don't get to sit and, and watch like Mary as this baby's in a manger and people keep turning up and, and telling her how important this little baby's going to be. You know, we don't get to physically see Jesus. We don't get to see him in the flesh. But Peter, who did get to see him, and, and years later, after Jesus had ascended, resurrected from the dead and ascended to heaven, he says this to people like you and me, who know the presence of God living within us. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Anyone, is that true for anyone here this morning? You haven't seen Jesus, but you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him. That's true for many of you here this morning. You don't see him here in the flesh right now, but you believe in him. You believe he's the son of God. I can't remember the rest. And you are filled with an inexpressible and a glorious joy. Even though you haven't seen him, you love him. Even though you don't see him now, you believe in him. But you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for your receiving the salvation of your souls. There is great joy in being saved. There is great joy in Jesus forgiving our sins. There is great joy in being washed clean. There's great joy in being filled with the Spirit. We get to know the very presence of God today. And if you're here this morning and you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ as, as Lord and Saviour, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that later. And I promise you that day by day, as you get to know Him and love Him, He will fill you with an inexpressible and glorious joy. There'll be days you just won't have words to express how much you love Him, how good He is to you. Jesus brings great joy in his presence. And secondly, Jesus brings great joy in the present. I reckon there's a whole bunch of us here that have seriously underestimated God's capacity for joy. We kind of get that God is the most loving person that we'll ever meet. We kind of get it. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I mean, what incredible love. You know, this is love, not that, that we first loved him, but he first loved us and gave us his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That, that's incredible love. You know how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That's what we are. 
That's how loving he is. He came to earth to die for us, to save us, to adopt us into his family as his kids. We kind of get that. We kind of get that God is the most loving person that we'll ever meet. We, we get that God is the most powerful person that we'll ever meet. I mean, he threw stars into space. He holds the whole world in his hands. He sustains all things through his power. We kind of get he's the most loving person we'll ever meet. He's the most powerful person we'll ever meet. We might even get as we get older that he's the most patient person that we'll ever meet. As we look back and we think about how slow we've been to kind of get what God is about, we think, oh God, thank you for being so patient with me. Any of you here this morning just got a, just a, a husband that you need serious patience with and you just can't believe that God is so patient with him? Just put your hand up. A couple of courageous women. Now we even kind of get that God might be the most patient person we'll ever meet. I wonder how often we stop to think that God is the happiest person that you will ever meet. God is the happiest person that you will ever meet. His very nature is joy. Now, right now, God experiences sorrow and grief, but it's a response to this fallen world. It's not a part of his eternal characteristics. Right now, when he looks at the pain and suffering in the world, he does feel sorrow and grief. But there will be a day when all sickness and pain and suffering is gone and he will wipe all of our tears away and there will no longer be, be emotions that God feels because it is not part of his eternal destiny. Joy is. Isaiah 51 uh, it talks about you know, the, the, the prophecy of, of what it's going to be like one day to come into the very presence of God. And it says they'll enter Zion with singing. You know, sorrow will flee away. Gladness and, and joy will overtake them. You see, joy is God's eternal destiny. Joy is, is his eternal characteristic. And just like everything else, he's better at love than anyone else, he's more powerful than anyone else, he's more patient than anyone else, he's better at joy than anyone else. You know, the most incredible joy that you see on a kid's face as they rip open a present this morning is just a tiny little glimpse of the joy that God has in his heart for all of eternity. No one else can compare. No one can compare to his love. No one can compare to his power. No one can compare to his patience. No one can compare to his joy. Joy is who God is. And joy is a command. It's not an optional extra for the life of following Jesus. Paul, who's sitting in, in a jail cell, writes to the Philippians and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, just in case you missed it. Rejoice. It's a command. It's a fruit of the Spirit. The more we get to know Jesus, the more we know his joy. And we express his joy, even though it's inexpressible. You see, C.S. Lewis put it like this. He says, joy is the serious business of heaven. I wonder how often we've overlooked God's capacity for joy and we've kind of underestimated how important joy is to the spiritual life. Nehemiah, when uh, 
his people were grieving and weeping. He says, do not grieve, do not weep. He, He says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who haven't prepared it and, uh, This day, today is holy to our Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not grieve. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, joy is strength to us. Joylessness is a sin. And it's a weakness that makes sin too tempting. You see, when we're not finding joy in the present with Jesus, sin looks too good. And it becomes too powerful. Joy is God's eternal destiny. Joy is a command. It's not an optional extra. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. As we grow in our our, uh, relationship with God, we become more joyful. You know, we've kind of seen joylessness as a sin that is kind of okay in the church. A whole bunch of things we're not okay with, but it's okay to walk around, you know, with a, with a face that looks like you've sucked a thousand lemons, and you know, just never exude joy. But but joy is the serious business of heaven. There is joy in the present. Joy is possible. Jesus brings us because of what He's done for us. He brings us joy in the present. In every circumstance, in every situation, in every relationship, we can know his joy. Psalm 118 says this, and it's prophesying about Jesus who is to come. It says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus has become, the one that was rejected and sent to be crucified has become the cornerstone, the most important one. Everything's built upon him. And it says, the Lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord has made. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, today. Because today Jesus loves you. Today Jesus forgives you. Today Jesus has saved you. Today, Jesus encourages you. Today, Jesus blesses you with every spiritual blessing. Today, Jesus comforts you in your trouble. Today, Jesus is with you in every circumstance. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Jesus brings joy in his presence, in the presence of God. And Jesus brings joy in the present. Right now. Today, you can become a joyful person. With God's help, it's possible. He wouldn't command it if it's not possible. Sometimes we live with the illusion that, you know, when my circumstances change, then I'll know joy. When we're at school, a bunch of you at school here right now, you're thinking, man, once I've finished school, I can go to work, then life will be good. Then I'll be happy. And let me tell you, you'll be working for the next 40 years and just wishing you were back at school when it was fun. You know, if you're single, you're thinking, man, once I get married, then I can be happy. Who of you have discovered that as good as your spouse might be, they don't always make you happy? Oh, come on, put your hands up. (laughs) Whatever your circumstances, 
You can know joy in the present and you've got to take responsibility for it. Lastly, Jesus brings great joy in his presence. There are presents that he gives us. You know, if you get something that looks like this at Christmas time, you kind of know it's a present. It's not, you're not going to unwrap it and find a bill that requires payment. You're going to, now someone else might unwrap that present a little bit later, but you know once you get this, you know you're getting a gift. It's a present. Presents give us joy. I mean, even, even if they're dodgy presents. You know, my, my grandmother, when uh, Christmas one year when I was 16, she, she gave me, wrapped up in, she actually gave me a Santa sack. It wasn't a present wrapped up like this. She gave me a Santa sack until I was 21 years old. But uh, in there, when I was 16, was a, was a white beach towel with a Velcro strip. So when I'm out with my mates, when I'm 16 at the beach surfing, I can get out my towel with a little Velcro strip and I can put it around myself. And this is the best bit. Down the bottom in big letters, it said, Jason's towel. <laughs> embroidered, embroidered in yellow on the bottom of the towel. What an awesome gift when you're 16. That just kept getting better. When I was 17... She gave me a silver serving spoon. I mean, I'd never served anybody food when I was seven. I didn't even know how to make toast when I was 17. But, but just she saw how much I loved it the first time. So for my 18th birthday, just a few months later, she gave me a matching one. I've still got them. They've come in handy now. I serve food all the time. You know, even if your presents that you receive are dodgy presents... It's pretty cool that you have a grandma who wants to give you a gift, who wants to give you a Santa sack until you're 21 years old. All presents are good. Someone goes to the trouble. I mean, I've never wrapped up a present that good in my life. But if someone goes to that kind of trouble, that's pretty good. See, there's joy in presents. Now, if one of your kids gets this this Christmas, what do you want them to say? When someone hands them this, what do you want them to say? I'll try one more time. When someone hands them one of these, what do you want them to say? Thank you. And if they don't, we say, what do you say? Thank you. You see, I reckon, I reckon there's a whole bunch of gifts that Jesus gives us every day, but they don't come wrapped up. And so we take them for granted and we forget what an incredible gift it is and we forget to say thank you. I want us this morning to say thank you. I'm going to wrap up some of the everyday things Jesus gives us and I want us to say thank you today because thanksgiving is a precursor to joy. If there's any one thing I think that will help fill your heart with joy, it's thanksgiving. Let me, I've wrapped up a few of the everyday gifts that aren't normally wrapped that, uh, that, that Jesus gives us that I'd love us to say thanks for this morning. Firstly, Pizza is a present from God. Who, who agrees? I mean, I, I thank God all the time for the nation of Italy and all its people. I mean, I, I love pizza. If I could live on pizza, I would. You know, last, I love pizza so much. A few years ago, I made a wood-fired pizza oven in my backyard. Last night, my daughters invited their friends around. I made 21 wood-fired pizzas last night. You know, I love pizza. 
I'm just hoping that one day someone will actually invent a pizza that is carb-free so I can just eat it every night of the week. You know, it's a gift. But seriously, food is a gift that we're given every day that we so often take for granted in this nation. People all over the world. People all over the world who can't just, you know, dial a number or jump on a website and get a box with the dots delivered to their door. They, they don't know where their next meal's coming from. Food is an incredible gift. This is important. This is why I wanted to start here. I think this is so important. You see, when you stop to give thanks for the little things that God's given you, it actually builds joy in you so that it overflows when you face big problems. When you give thanks for the little things God's given you, joy builds and overflows when you face really big problems. But when you take the little things like pizza for granted, your joy will be eroded even in the littlest problems you face. Even the littlest problems will just, just, just destroy your joy, erode your joy. Give thanks for the little things. Say, thank you, God, for pizza. Don't, don't get robbed of joy. Secondly, and this one's going to seem a little strange, problems are a present from Jesus. Now, Jesus doesn't always give us the problems. Sometimes it comes about because of our own stupidity. Sometimes it's an attack from the enemy. Sometimes it's an evil and injustice of somebody else towards us. But we all face problems. Now, I've hated these things since I was nine years old. I got a Rubik's Cube for, for uh, when I was nine at Christmas. And that's uh, something like, you know, 36 years ago. I've never been able to solve it. I don't have the patience and I don't have the intelligence. And uh, this, is not, this is not a problem that I enjoy. Hey, there's so many problems that we face in our world and in our lives. Who thought it would be a good idea to create some more just for fun? Stupidity. But this is the weird thing. Even when we can't solve the problems... And even when God doesn't miraculously click his fingers and solve the problems for us, Scripture tells us that even our problems are a present from God. Have a look at what Jesus' brother James says in James chapter 1. He says, Consider it pure, say it with me, joy. My brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith will produce perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you'll become mature in all things. See, this is the incredible thing about God. Even though, you know, the problem itself, you know, may not be a present. In the problem, God is so good. doesn't matter how big a problem it is. It doesn't matter whether he solves it in an instant or not. God is able to work all things together for good to those who love him and record according to his purpose. Even in problems, God brings joy. Some of us this morning, you actually need to start seeing your problems differently. Because the way you're seeing it now, the way you're focusing on the problem is robbing you of joy. And what God wants us to do is to focus on Jesus in the midst of the problem. 
You see, when we focus on the problem, it robs us of joy. But when we focus on Jesus in the midst of the problem, he fills us with joy. And as I said, joy is our strength. Pizza, present. Got to give thanks. Problems can even be a present with Jesus in the mix. He's going to do something good. Don't let it rob you of joy. Next, people are a present. People are a present. Now, people are an imperfect present. Susan is almost perfect, but there's still a few things I'm just trying to iron out. I've given her a few suggestions. She tells me I'm almost the perfect husband. But no, people, people are a present from God, aren't they? People are a present from God. They're imperfect presents. But this, this is what happens, right? If you focus on the imperfections, it'll rob you of joy. And if you focus on the gift that God has given you, I can't imagine doing life without this woman. She's been part of my life for over 30 years. She's a gift from God. I often forget to give thanks to God for her. And I know I'm not the only one because I've done a whole bunch of funerals where people have stood up, said how much they love their brother, their sister, their mom, their spouse. And then at some time later, they've said to me privately, I wish I'd said some of those things while they were still alive. I've heard it too often. If you focus on the imperfections in people, it'll rob you of joy. But if you focus on the gift and their presence with you, it'll fill you with joy. All right, you can get back in your box. (laughs) I've been looking forward to saying that all week. (laughs) Go home, people, seriously, go home. Go home and tell the people you love how precious they are to you. Give thanks to God for them. It'll fill you with joy. If you focus on their imperfections, it'll rob you of joy. Next, purpose is a present. Purpose. I said purpose, not porpoise. I've been looking forward to saying that all week too. (laughs) But do you know why people love porpoises and dolphins? They're happy animals. They're filled with joy. They jump around in the water and we are transfixed by them. We spend hundreds of dollars to get close to them because they've got a big smile on their face. They're happy. They're just going about their purpose in life and they're happy doing it. See, this is a cool thing. God's given us a purpose, but he hasn't given us something crappy to do. He's given us something that'll fill us with joy when we do it. We get to be part of fulfilling the purposes of God on earth today. You know, I said last week uh, at my sabbatical, I finally finished writing my book. I've had this dream in my heart to write a book to introduce unchurched Aussie blokes to Jesus. I sent it to an editor a couple of weeks ago. The day I sent it, my parents happened to be uh, in our backyard at the time. I didn't realize just how much joy there was building up in me as I fulfilled that purpose that God had put in my heart for 12 years. I, I went a bit silly. 
Within the space of an hour, I had convinced my whole extended family that are coming up for Christmas that we are going to have an Ellsmore family Christmas pageant on, on Christmas night. Everyone has to come and either perform a song or a dance of some sort. I've built a stage. I've got a spotlight in my backyard. It took me a while to convince my brothers-in-law, but we're now all... On, we're all now part of this. Within half an hour, I had screwed my girl's old tap plates onto the bottom of my Blundstone boots. And I, I convinced my dad and my son, three generations, we are going to do a tap dance on Christmas night. And that's about as good as it gets right now. But I'm working on it. There was something in me. So I just wanted to dance. There was just this overflowing joy. I couldn't stop laughing for hours. It's got a little bit out of control, this pageant. But that's, that's, my, that's my purpose. There's other people here got different purposes. Would you welcome Dr. Paul, the physician in pink, on purpose? Give him a big welcome. Come on. <laughs> Paul, this brings me great joy. Hey, Jason. Seeing you in pink <laughs> on stage. Paul, you've been a surgeon for a long time, and for over 10 years now, you and a bunch of other medical professionals here have been going to Hill Africa Hospital. Tell me, why does what you do there give you joy? I guess one of the things is, um, you know, it's a privilege to influence others. It doesn't matter whether you're a parent or a pastor or a physician. Oh, they're good peas, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in Luke chapter 9, when Jesus sent the disciples out, he told them two things. I've forgotten what Heal the sick. Heal the sick was one of them, but preach the kingdom of God. And when he sent out the 70, he said the same thing. Preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Heal Africa Hospital, where we go, does both those things. Not only where it is, but right throughout the province of North Kivu that it's involved in. And the other comment that I would make as to one of the reasons that we go is that the blessing flows two ways. And I have shared this before um, to do with the first time we went on our first trip in 2006 there as a team. Operating theatres there are very different to here. But one of the things that they do that we don't do is that before every operation they pray over the patient. Patient's put to sleep and then the surgical team will stop and will pray for that operation. I've always wondered why they pray for the surgery and not the anaesthetic, but and that's a different story. This first time that I went was my first operation there. We stopped. The African doctor who was helping me put their hand on the patient I put my hands over the top of the African doctor and I prayed. And as I prayed, I could tell you and swear for sure that there was a third pair of hands came down on mine and there was no one there. It was very vivid, it was very real and it still affects me now as I think back to that. But right there and then, it was God's presence, affirming his presence and affirming his authority in that operating theatre. Uh, 
That's cool. That's cool. Very good. Paul, you know better than uh, most of us in this room the difference that this uh, training centre is going to make. Why are you so excited about uh, this Christmas gift we're going to give this Christmas? It's hard to explain in a few words. Um, Heal Africa Hospital is the nexus for healthcare and for pastoral leadership. It extends not only to Goma, the city, which has got one and a half million. It extends throughout North Kivu, which has got six million people, and even to provinces beyond. I want you to imagine a hospital the size of QE2, one of our small hospitals here, reaching out and influencing the whole of the population of Queensland. That's about the size of things. They also reach out to the leaders of many of the towns in that province. The leaders are pastors, and there's a whole pastoral network being set up. This floor that we're building will allow us, um, as teams, to breathe into the hub of Christian life changes that are there in that hospital. It's going to sustain and establish Christian influence throughout the whole of the province. Yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. Hey, I'm really excited about the opportunity to be part of this. You know, people often say, how can you really know joy when there's so much evil and suffering in the world? Well, the joy that Jesus brings is a joy that comes when we don't devote our lives to our own personal happiness, but we devote our lives to fulfilling his purposes in the world and seeing people's lives changed forever. Whatever your purpose is, whether it's writing books or performing surgery or whatever it might be, if you follow the purposes of God for you, you'll know joy. If you devote your life to your own personal happiness, it will rob you of joy. Would you thank uh, Pastor, not Pastor, Dr. Paul for me. Hey, I'm going to really quickly finish off because I uh, want us to do some things at the end. Parameters are a present from God. We sometimes whinge that, you know, God's given us parameters to live by. They're a gift. He wants us to do life well. You step outside of his parameters, it'll rob you of joy. You live within his parameters. He's put them there for a reason. You'll know joy. Some tough teaching Jesus gives in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, love others the way that you want to be loved. Love your enemies. You know, bless those who persecute you. Forgive those as you've been forgiven. Turn the other cheek. Tough teaching. This is what he says that near the end of his life in uh, John uh, chapter 10 or 15. I can't remember. Uh, 15. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. The verse before, he says, if you follow these commands... You will know the same joy I know and your joy will be complete. Live in the parameters that Jesus has given us and you'll be filled with joy. Step outside them. There'll be a day that robs you of joy. Lastly, one last present that God gives us. Praise. You know, praise is something that we give to God, but it's a gift that he's given us. When we, when we praise him, we, we, we encounter him. 
Psalm 100, I'll get the team to come up. Psalm 100, you know, it says this, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. You know, sing joyful songs. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It's He who made us. We're His people, the sheep of His pasture. Look at this next bit. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. We come in to His presence through thanksgiving, but we come even closer into His courts through praise. When we give Him thanks for the good things He's given us, we come into His presence, but there is something special about praise. There's something about simply praising him for who he is in every circumstance we come into the presence of God praise is a present you know we don't get we don't get to rush to a stable and uh and be filled with joy at seeing everything as promised we uh we don't get to walk in with expensive presents after traveling a long journey and see Jesus in the flesh and Mary we don't get to sit there and just soak it all in treasure it all up in our heart as we just look at this baby in a manger. But if you believe in Jesus as Son of God and you receive His gift of salvation, you will know His presence within you. You'll know Him in the present in every circumstance. And you'll just keep seeing how good He is, all the presence He keeps giving you. It'll well up into thanksgiving and praise and it'll fill your heart with joy. And joy is a good thing. We all need it. But it all starts by putting our faith in Jesus as the Son of God, receiving His gift of salvation, putting faith in Him as Lord and Savior, asking Him to forgive our sins and fill us with His Holy Spirit. Just coming into his presence with joy. If you, haven't, if you haven't done that before, I want to give you an opportunity to do that, to put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've been checking things out for a while. Maybe you, you put your faith in Jesus a long time ago. You've wandered a long way away. Maybe it's the first time you've ever been in church. I want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus and to know the presence of God within you. I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes, bow their heads just for a moment. If you're here this morning, and you'd like to say yes to Jesus. You'd like to say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you and I want to receive your gift of salvation. I want to follow you and be part of your purposes. I want to know your joy. I want to lead you in a prayer. Just while all eyes are closed and heads bowed, if that's you this morning, can I get you right now just to stick your hand up just so I can see it. Just stick your hand up this morning just so I can see it. You say, I want to pray that prayer. Bless you. Good man. Who else this morning? Just say, I want to pray that prayer this morning. I want to just start, bless you right at the back. That's cool. Who else this morning? Just say, that's the prayer I want to pray. Bless you. Bless you. Anybody else this morning? Say, that's you. Okay, if that's you, just pray with me this morning. This is an important moment. Father God, I thank you for your love for me. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. I ask today that you would forgive my sins. I believe, Jesus, that you are the son of God. And I choose to follow you as my Lord and Saviour.
And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we just encourage all those who prayed that prayer this morning? And if, if that's you, can I encourage you to go to our welcome lounge at uh, the end of the service, get a Bible. We'd just love to help you get started on that journey. Hey, can we all uh, stand together this morning? I want us to spend some time giving thanks and then giving praise. Just take a moment. Maybe there's some gifts you've seen, some presents you've seen up here this morning. You just know. It's just time to say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for what you've given me. Thank you for the presence that you've given me. Thank you for just being with me. Come on, just right now. I just want to fill this room with thanksgiving. Come on, lift your voices. Close your eyes if you need to. Lift your hands. Just speak it out. Begin to thank Him. Begin to thank Him for what He's given you. Thank Him for the good gifts that He's given you. Come on, speak it out. Fill. Fill this room with thanksgiving this morning. He's so good. He's so kind. Come on, just put thanks into your own words. Thank you, God, for. What are you thankful for this morning? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Come on, speak it out. 